All right. Welcome to another episode of Comic Book Squares. We're going to be talking to another artist today. My name is Shane. I'm Paul. I'm Ben. And I'm Mike. Let's get the show started. So welcome to another episode. Um, we, we've got a great artist with us today. And uh, I, I just want to, you know, if you could just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your art, that would be fantastic. Well, my name is Willie Mendes as a comic artist. And I began in the early 70s in the underground comic movement, which uh, for me started in New York. And we all moved to San Francisco at the same time. And I did that until about 72, 73 when they stopped publishing women. So I'm a painter. I went back to painting for 50 years and did a lot of, uh, became religious in the meantime, did a lot of um, Torah art, Bible art, had some sales and things. And, oh, it was a miracle that brought me back. But I don't know how much you want me to run off about everything. But I came back to Let's comics in 2016. In 2015, I wrote a new comic, Queen of Cosmos Comics. Just at the time, I was getting disillusioned with the patriarchy of this incredible um, edifice of connection to God that you get with this incredible learning. But... I couldn't swallow the whole um, patriarchal nature of it. While I was having those thoughts, a miracle happened, and I got um, a professor called me up. Fifty years later, he remembered my Realm of Karma comics, page one. I was 22 years old, I had been looking at my breast, and I knew I made the best page ever. And to have it validated 50 years later by a professor, I'm like, that's it, I'm going back to comics. In fact, his name is Robert Lovejoy. He wrote something on the back of the first volume of Queen of Cosmos comics. So I call the whole series Our Love Children. It's our love child. He's Robert Lovejoy. It's because he called me, you know, 50 years later, professor must have put it in a college textbook. That's brought me back to comics. So my new comics are our, and then I told him, darling, we're expecting again. (laughs) 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 So it's a really nice joke that I run by every time. (laughs) So I'm back. And then God sent me miracles along the way. Everything with me is miracles. If you read my comics, you'll find that that's what one of the subject matters. There I am at Comic-Con to be on panels with Trina Robbins for the women's comics and later for her Minion Yidden, which I did the cover of. Christiana the Jewish Dove, Trina wrote a Jewish book in the Shtetl, and I was a natural for the cover. Did a beautiful oil painting. So, I'll show you later. So, um, (laughs) that's when I had a book to sell. A a new book. I'm looking for a publisher at Comic-Con. And I didn't find the first year, but the second year I found uh, Red 5 Comics. Now I have a publisher, and, I, and he told me to make the second volume. And I'm working on the That's third. Awesome. That's fantastic. Can you the tell third. us a little bit about the uh, the book itself, just so yeah, the audience who's watching this might not be familiar with it? The book is called Queen of Cosmos Comics. Imagine God. It's a metaphor for God. But me being a woman and also have the other people on the planet, why wouldn't it be in our own image? Why wouldn't our metaphor be a female? And... Um, so each volume of the series starts in Bible times. You have two chapters in Bible times. So the first uh, volume starts with creation, let's create a world, only it's humorous and it takes into account evolution, things that we know, the dinosaurs that not in the old Bible. And to me, the big crime was when the men took over. So then chapter two, we get to Noah. To Noah and they go, the angel goes, let's destroy the world. Males ruined it. And she's like, no, don't do it because um, the Noah's gals have good family. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to just, just, why don't we do it this way? So she goes like, um, let's create a world, and then I'll do the chapter heads. And then, um, so Noah is, let's flood the world. 
Okay, so then after two chapters, we're done with the Bible. And it says 10,000 years later, which in my mind brings us to our era, right? When, when mm-hmm. I lived. And it says, um, and this one is, so this is chapter three, and it's called Let's Make a Miracle Girl. And it's about, I told you, if I told you my life, it'd be so many miracles. And I just want to fall into the six-page story. Very tiny and very dense. The, um, first of all, this great childhood, and the angels go, Whoa, 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 way too nice, right? And the queen goes, I have plagues planned, right? She enumerates ten plagues, and the last one is death of the firstborn. It's not, it's, you know, it's deep, right? Because my first child died, and that's a big part of the book. But she was supposed to die after one year, and instead she lived 33 more years. Go figure, miracle, right? So that's two. And so that's that chapter, all that in one chapter. And then it's, let's get cosmic. So we're still in the present we're talking about it. Like there were so many prophets. Yeah, but they were all guys. You know, what happens with women? They say, uh, well, in the old days, they said, shut up and get married. And now that I go like, here's tales for the modern mystic. My, see, when I, before they stopped publishing everybody, I had completed my solo book. See, I was well known in the 70s. This was my great thing I led up to was Illuminations. So Illuminations was the book oh, yeah. I edited it. And it had many famous people in there. In fact, maybe later I'll, I'll flip through it. Okay, so Queen of Cosmos Comics then jumps 10,000 years in the future. Okay? Each each um, volume follows this pattern. So in the very first one, they, uh, um, they're going to go on a date to the Pleiades. These are all um, future people. <laughs> See, let's have a nice time. And he invites her on a date, and they go to the Pleiades through a wormhole. And to, it's a harpathon. That's the name of their festival. Everybody playing the harp, and it's so awesome. Yeah. And then guess what? They're young. They're teenage. They fall in love, and they fly back, and they go, "Let's start a family." And the parents go, "Yay! Let's! I'm going to make you a good." And they make a family, and they and then they have kids, and they're very musical, and they make a band, and they play the pleadies. And the angels say, "Whoa! Stop! The story is awful. Where is the conflict <laughs> and drama?" <laughs> and the queen says, "There was enough of that in the old days." Like so, that gives you an example. But this is the heavy one. This is unrepeated. In the so let's go to school. We're still ten thousand years in the future. Now, I I, I drew this in twenty fifteen sixteen. The interesting thing is that it's all remote learning. It's because like, in those oh. days when you went to school, basically you sat in a place with somebody there, and you're sitting here in that school, right? But this is yeah. all like remote learning. It's a machine, and they've pushed the button for then, and she's going to be your teacher and teach about them. But then there's a newsflash, <laughs> and it says we interrupt to tell you that they discovered wormholes in the fabric of time. So then the student comes back and thanks her. She's been uh, chosen for the time mission. But you know what? And the time teacher comes out and they have to learn what it was like. This is my heaviest statement. You have to know if you're going 10,000 years to our time, it was rich and poor. So what? How could that be, right? She goes, well, some people got a lot. Now, I live next door to a a yuppie coffee shop. So they got the latte. I got a grande. I got a Porsche. I got a juicer. I got in the cloud. Some people got to have a lot. Which is all us middle class people, right? And each one of the poor people here owns these items. You know, a bed, a chair, a table, a car, an apartment, a dining room table, a bunch of bowls, a bunch of plates, a couple of clothing, some shirts, founder pants, some socks, some shoes. We all own all this stuff, right? Don't deny it. Uh, we all, And look at the books behind you or whatever they are. So behind that wall of all the stuff that we own in the third world, all these people are there like got hunger, got to run, got to live in the car, which has got even more pertinent, right? So that's now. So but before that, the king, remember the divine right of kings? So mm-hmm. before that, that's this one. You know, the king had everything. 
And then the poor people on the bottom had like nothing. But that yeah. was the way God made it, according to the, if you said no, they kill you in the days of the kings, right? And, uh, but before yeah. that, Pharaoh had it all, right? And that uses hieroglyphics. I got it all, right? But there's Moses on the bottom saying maybe not. Because after all, who do we talk about more nowadays? Right? And so then right. I bring it all back to when the male sees power um, at the end of the Queen of Cosmos. And then in this book also includes the Realm of Karma comics, my best story ever that I told you about. We put it in and also the entire Tales for the Modern Mystic, which was the unpublished one from 70. Well, I did a, a private looking for a gallery show, but this Tales for the Modern Mystic is from the 70s. And in this one, tell, it's Tibetan hippies in Oregon, right? We moved to the woods, make a machine very similar maybe to a computer, but it shows the gods and goddesses. And so they take them to the city to sell it, and they sell it, and they get on a plane, and they go to India, and they go to Forbidden Tibet. Could not go to Tibet all through that period, so Nixon went to China and that, whatever. That's what inspired this book. When Nixon came, because mm. we didn't have a TV, but we were in a, going to Mexico, we stopped in a hotel, there was a TV, and Nixon's coming down the thing from China. I'm like, oh, you could go to Tibet someday. Anyway, so then they become enlightened. See, they, the guru comes down, and they do the Kundalini Rises, and they do all the yoga, and then um, the thousand petal lotus of the brain, they meet in, and then they achieve enlightenment. And after they achieve enlightenment, see, then they can, fl- well, they can see the gods and goddesses out clear and also they could fly and so they fly back and they tell and they that's the end of that book but then it goes to the book of wonder all about Oregon and in the end they all get together and come back and save the world <laughs> and hippie, the wonder people become angels so anyway that's volume two volume one rather and volume two has not been released by the publisher yet but I made my own bunch of copies to have them in Comic Con this year I was honored and, oh, nice. um, you know that it features books book signings and had no books so I printed so there's a few things about it but this one is in full color so um, let me get to the best page again it starts oh, which the is really important and with your work the full color because seeing your gowns and stuff so look at the color in this this oh, is my oh, yeah. on the really nice. yeah. because um, see here's the thing so um, for five years 26 years I did these intense biblical narrative paintings what, mm. like, like everything in the book of Leviticus, okay, 859 verses at 16 feet, and every single tiny picture is one of those verses, a whole picture of everything oh, wow. going on. Oh, wow. Dang. It's a lot. It's downstairs. I wish, see, if we did it on the mobile, if you ever want to do it again, then I'll figure out the phone thing with you. We can do it down yeah. in the gallery. That's the advantage of the phone. I can wow. try all these pictures. Oh, yeah. But in my paintings, which are unusual, Nothing is that narrative. I use the comic technique. I use word balloons and God's word balloon has yeah. thoughts and Moses has doesn't and Moses tell the children of Israel. Very comic-y. And um, oh, where am I going? Oh, yeah, but it's as the book says, right? I'm like painting what I feel that it says in the Jewish text. Also stories from the Talmud, all these texts. But I'm showing you in my narrative art, not so my comics. In my comics, mm. I totally change it up and make it humorous, funny with my own philosophy very different and it's a lot of freedom and fun yeah. this one so, is so um, really, full color really you said that you were are you still in uh, California are you talking about uh, the San Diego Comic Con yeah that's the one I was the special guest and I won this beautiful ink pot award wow oh wow nice. 
Congratulations. Congratulations. Very cute award. Thank you. Yeah, it is very cute. An Ink Pot Award for Achievement in Comic Arts. Wow. That's impressive. Thank you. (laughs) Nice. That's what, see, and finally, because you would, you had mentioned earlier, you know, when you started, you got into the early seventies, and then kind of found, like, your way pushed out. You found yourself pushed out of it because of the, of the male like dominance over the the art form at the time. Does this feel like vindication, like getting the award and, and the some of the recognition yet, but you're we're getting on now? Our way. We're on our way to the yeah. vindication. But, you know, truths about the seventies are coming out now. At, actually, at my spotlight panel at San Diego. Trina um, came face to face with the fact that I actually was not excluded from the male books during the early era. I was in back cover boogeyman, back cover insect fear, San Francisco comic book company, um, comic book, and also the one with the crumb covers. I have this great story in here. These are um, most of these I've been posting on Dan Fogel's mm. Price Guide Facebook page mm. lately. This oh yeah, like that. And um, some of these are like insect fear. This is a really cool one. Insect fear number two. Oh, wow. Anyway, I was kind of doing okay there. It was, um, the, you have to know how prejudice works. They never mm. tell you, or lately, crazy woman or something. You should see the young. I don't want to go negative, wow. but they, they make you feel like you're just not good. And that's where the yeah. award comes in very handy to your self-regard. Right. If I'm so oh, not absolutely. good, then how come I get this award? Right. Just exactly. Like, but also, you asked where I live. I live on Barbara Mendes Square, Barbara Mendes Memorial Square, which is a joke. Uh, but still, and it says, <laughs> I have the little plaque here. I should really grab it um, if we have a break. But it says, dedicated to an artist whose integrity magnifies the excellence of the South Robert- Robertson neighborhood. It's a huge building. I don't own it. My landlords are this amazing African-American couple. And I rent this apartment that I'm in now. Downstairs is a storefront. And I'm in business with them running this mm. gallery. It happens to be my show. We should have done it down there. All my artists yeah. this month. But outside, I painted the whole building. It's like a giant side of oh. the building. Oh, I, wow. I nice. totally transformed the whole neighborhood. And they even <laughs> extended the sidewalk. And I have a concrete garden. Like, the sidewalks are painted with these elaborate painted gardens. It's crazy. That's great. Wow. Uh, love to see happens. that. It just well, happens. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe what you can do is take a photo of it and then send it to us, and then uh, oh, I can include yeah. it. Yeah, I'd love to see it. Absolutely, no problem. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I have them right at the top of my <laughs> photos. Nice. So, so, well, that's yeah, amazing. Your email. Yeah. You, do you mind if I ask? Oh, sorry, Ben. I don't. Want, I just want to real quick. So, uh, so you go to Comic Con, you know, and and I've been to uh, San Diego Comic Con, and it's you know massive, filled with you know so many people. And uh, I just want to see, like, what was the reaction to your book at Comic Con? What were people saying to you when they were coming to the to the booth? So I won the award, and I had, was having a book yes. signing session at my yes. publisher's booth. Then, yes, yes, and I love my book. It's pretty amazing. I mean, it's far out. I have a huge waiting public. That's what the males don't know. There's wall. See, I have this little private, like, let's call it a, a church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On this corner, this place that I'm in. I'm like a prophetess. I'm a prophet. I've told that many times. But I don't say, like, have a public thing. Watch my webcam and you will learn what I have to tell or come to my class or read my book. And I have some things. It's not like that. People wander in one by one, by two by one. Have we talked? Mm-hmm. 
Ali and I get from them and they get from me. We exchange these ideas. I'm not the only one thinking this, that this whole God is a man and men are in charge of the religion and we're not. Like, that is such an oxymoron right there and there. And the power of women, I mean, it's just coming up now. We're in a new world. I did not create the um, conditions for this world. I did not create birth control. I did not create women voted 28 years the year I was born. Over 28 years they had to vote. Mm. I mean, that was in 1920. Mm -hmm. I didn't make that. And I didn't make um, a lot of things happen. But um, certainly, women's lip. Trina actually raised my consciousness a lot when I had my first baby. And I told my husband, you're going to do half this work or not. And then 20 years, that worked. So it's a journey, but I'm here to send it forward. And I'm not alone. And people love this bandwagon. And they love, it's not a bandwagon. It's just, let's tap into it. Mm-hmm. Step into it. Yeah. So, so Willie, when you were you were talking about, I'm sorry, was it was it Robert Lovejoy? Is that the right name? Sorry. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. He, he. You said that he had reached out to you after so much time. So, what? I guess what was it that was driving that connection to to reaching out to you? Was it was it was to uh, talk about to some of your editor. previous work? No, no, he was selected to be the editor of the underground comics section of the history of illustration. This giant comic book. That's where you have to know it gets better because once it came out, that's what I was so thrilled about and inspired. This is a college textbook. Look how thick it is. The history of illustration. So then when it finally was delayed a bit. But when it came out, I'm on the page with Crumb. And this blows the mind of people who come to heard of Robert Crumb, which is not everybody nowadays, mm-hmm. but if they've heard yeah. of Robert Crumb and like, who's this on the same page? It's me. This is the realm of karma. Wow. That's amazing. That's, That's incredible. Cool. Well-deserved. Yeah. Well, thank you, so but what? these are just the miracles that kept me around. Because what they want you to do is go away. <laughs> when they no. you. No. But I neglected no, to do that. I'm wondering, like, what got you into the the sequential art form of storytelling? So, I, I mean, obviously, it seems like art is a passion of yours, and you have your paintings and all that. But what what came first in that? Was it the paintings and then the the comics, or was it the comics and then that started? See, I'm an artist, so I was I was in my twenties. I was shacked up in the East Village with my incredible husband Rick, who was in the group Image, the psychedelic band that was the sister band to the Grateful Dead. <laughs> And again, oh, wow. in my entire twenties, everything that our social milieu was husband, the musician. We hung with the Grateful Dead, Country Joe and the Fish, paid our way out there to San Francisco, because I was gonna make a record. So that was I didn't hang, you know, I wasn't like oh, a comic artist, you know, like but I did uh, share a home. <laughs> my husband and I shared a house with Kim and Trina in San Francisco. And that's when I went to comics parties, and that's when I knew everybody. Mm. And I lived near, I used to go down to Don Donahue's Apex Novelties and print my stuff and posters. But try to remind me of the actual question. Oh, I know. Because see, my first husband, Rick, he happened to be, this is, he happened to be best friends with Kim Deitch from Westchester, which is a county north of New York City. Like a suburb of New York is Westchester County. And he Mm -hmm. was friends with Kim Deitch. Kim Deitch was our friend. So Kim Deitch was also in East Village and he began to do Sunshine Girl for the East Village other. He was our good friend. He'd come by our apartment always and show us this new comic he did, Sunshine Girl. Mm. And actually the first time. And then he went to the East Village other and they did print it. It became a running thing. And then he was selected at one point to be the editor of Gothic Blimpworks. And he, so meantime, he's our friend. He's visiting and he sees all my art. He sees, also, I 
started to make spoofs based on my friendship with Kim. Also, we collected Marvels at the time. I wasn't into it, um, but my husband got me into it. So we're big Marvel collectors. We like Doctor Strange and Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah. Nice. So all this is going on. And so I started making funny spoofs like Helpman instead of Superman. Like a funny <laughs> spoof on Superman, but like it's funny. So it was like Helpman. So at that time, Kim asked me to do a comic. Now, my first comics work in the movement was for the Gothic Blimpworks, and it wasn't sequential. It was big splash panels, but using word balloons. Mm-hmm. You can Google the back covers of uh, Gothic Blimpworks. They were like, mm-hmm. I guess, splash panels, you can call them, large, single comics pages. And I was known for yeah. that. I did at least four of them of those. And also color. So Kim Deitch taught me. That was the thing about comics. For $1, you could buy something that was like color. I cut in this, and mm-hmm. Color was un- unreachable in those days. So Kim Dyche oh. taught me the color separations because you have the black and white original and you get these three pieces of acetate with uh, grid marks to and you put the yellow and the cyan and the magenta and you and the zipatone so that for example real red is magenta and yellow and flesh is like zipatone red with zipatone yellow right and you cut it all out and Kim taught me to do that for those gothic glimp works and then we moved to San Francisco oh. and I um. I think I did some early comics before that. It's the one I posted it on Dan's site just a few weeks ago called Easy Come, Easy Go. It was in San Francisco Comic Book, Comic Company. Now, what's the name? San Francisco Comic Book. It was the one with the chrome cover. I think I already showed it to you. In this book is my story, um, Easy Come, Easy Go. Mm. But the funny thing is the story takes place in the East Village in our apartment. It's about the human being in that year in Central Park. Ah. We go to the B-in. But it's not about us, it's made up. But that was, I think, one of my first sequentials. And then, of course, so this is kind of famous. Then Trina began, It Ain't Me Babe. And we were like this. We were sharing a house before that. And the, she was in the note. We gave her our apartment when we moved to Oregon. So I was mm-hmm. totally in that book. But first, we moved away from that house to the Noe Valley, I guess, when we did that book. But she's still, well, I don't know where she is. But because she split up with Kim, ultimately, we gave her our apartment and moved to Oregon. But I had to do a story for her book. And it's classic because I was pregnant. It's the classic picture of the um, I'm the one in the picture. And it, it's in women's comics, in mythology. It's in a lot of reprinted places. It's a picture of all the women in that book. And I have this giant belly and a big afro and a mandala dress <laughs> on the belly. Yeah. <laughs> so in other words, we shot the photo. I was nine months pregnant. And when I had the baby, it was a girl. And oh, for the story, I needed monumental letters. So it was about a woman that, you know, how they spell on the desert in the movies, monumental letters. So I O-M-A, O-M-A, Oma, and that's the story. Then when the kid was born, I named her Oma. But what does that mean in Greek? Uh, Sarcoma, carcinoma, sarcoma, carcinoma, blastoma, tumor. (laughs) Tumor. It's in my book, tumor. Why'd they name her Oma? Nobody reads reads (laughs) Greek anymore. She changed her own name to Annie halfway through. You gotta read these comics. It's all in the Because when she saw the play Annie, she named herself Annie, and she was Annie after that. And she lost her speech, mm. so she'd be like with a sign. This is the sign for A, like oh, I'm Annie, you know? And she was just like totally Annie. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so you, you are, I could sit and listen to you first. for an hour. <laughs> I, I'm really a talker. 
No, I no, love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Hearing I these stories is fantastic. I used to say that I should be on camera. It used to, in the olden days, there was like a red light that showed the camera was on. <laughs> so right. Now I'm getting attention. Yeah. I tell you the truth. Like, people always like look away. <laughs> like, <you know. laughs> but the red light oh my gosh. An audience. <laughs> That's right. We're getting well, all of this. We have a lot to tell, so I'm ready for the attention that the world wants to hear about positive, interesting, miraculous. I live in a cosmic bubble, have, as they say. I was going to say, I have something not related to comics. I was just curious. Uh, sounds like you were in some really neat places around the country. And do you ever, I guess, regret or do you ever want to go back to the East Coast, being on the West Coast? Is there any desire to go back? Have you, have you been through an L.A. winter? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, because there's another thing. I have a magic garden here in Soro, and um, I'd say a four block radius, okay? Four city blocks. I'm like, the artist, you know, apartment is. <laughs> it's like they go, people, I don't know, go, oh, aren't you the artist? But who lives now? My apartment's on the second floor. Because they, re- they replaced the sign and they put it really super up high, and I have the whole painted beautiful with this flower and I but I really have to coach people all the way to the top and then they see the sign that I'm telling you about but it's right outside my window my apartment <laughs> when I look out it's like right there I mean there's a lot of things here that we're just playing it out my landlords are in their 80s I'm in my mid 70s now so we're all just playing it out together we give each other energy these older people and me like they ride their bicycles to the beach every week and they're in their 80s wow I'm That's great. You. So I think That's we awesome. each other energy, and we keep going, and we stand for a lot of things, including it's we our place always. When I had my own, I had my own gallery in the '90s downtown. In fact, there's stories, all these stories. And uh, but the hallmark of my galleries is the inclusiveness, everybody. In our case, it's the old, the young, the and every other kind of person. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I love it. I love this. You know, putting art into the world and uh, and making it a better place. Uh, I absolutely love Especially it. Because they're African American and I'm such a Jew. And then we had the Korean lady <laughs> showing. It was like <laughs> bring it all together. Bring it that's all right. together. That's I, right. I love it. Well, I love yeah. the energy. Yeah. Hey, um, I, so I just want to let you know, uh, Barbara, I, I actually um, shared out on uh, Reddit that we were interviewing you and we had some people um, uh, send in some questions that they were open to us for us to ask you because they were all excited. Um, so if you don't mind, I'm just I was going to uh, ask one of those, oh, which right. is um, um, were you inspired by any of the other counterculture art or creators around that time? That's one of the questions. No, only by their freedom to be who they were that gave me the freedom to be who I was. It was total freedom. I'm not like them at all. They're like sex-crazed men. (laughs) Disgusting. (laughs) I really don't like a lot of this stuff. Honestly, no. But now let's talk stylistically. (laughs) The original painting is behind me. You know what? For this new cover, I I allowed Mm -hmm. myself to be inspired by the art of Jack Kirby. Which I think You've all seen it, but he does those birds, yeah. and then there's a lot of this dark, like dark clouds and yeah. dark blobs that I mean, yeah. a lot of visual excitement. And I was not successful necessarily, but that's something that inspired this particular piece. It's gorgeous. But the oh, whole nice. Of underground comics and my art and my painting and everything about me is do it new. I was put here to make something new. Yeah. Sure. And share it. Heck yeah. I love it. One of the other questions, if you guys don't mind me asking. Yeah, um, of course. No, yeah, go for it. Um, go for it. 
So <laughs> I like this one. While you were producing your first underground comics, how were you paying the bills? <laughs> Getting food on the table and stuff. And I have to think because um, I only lived by God's hand my whole life. I'm not getting Social Security because I didn't have enough straight jobs, as we used to call them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the ways now are more recent. But look, let's see. I had, first, I had a young husband. First, he was a student. I don't remember. <laughs> Maybe his parents yeah. sent him a little money because he was a student. I, oh, I know. <laughs> okay, thanks. You remind me. <laughs> so there we are. One thing I would not do in the hippie era was move in with the commune, okay? Uh, yeah. To, uh, I'm not living with the commune. Everybody lived it. In our case, it was the group image. So there was like a loft, the loft, you know, the loft. And a lot of people <laughs> lived in the loft, a lot of dogs. And there was a lot of communes. Oh. Also up north, in Oregon, that era too. Many people did a commune. No, no, no. Hmm. So that is when I would go to temp positions and get a job as a temporary worker. But the best job I had during this era was alert messenger service. <laughs> Late oh, 60s. Yeah. Well, you might know when the um, New York Jets won the Super Bowl with Joe Namath. The New yeah, York, Namath, what was yeah. Yeah. Am I getting the name wrong? No, 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 yeah, well, my boss mm -hmm. flew down for that. <laughs> so, but I love being a messenger. I was, uh, it was on 57th Street. There wasn't even a fax machine in these days. So if you want to send oh, something across town, yeah. you know, an image to somebody, you had the messenger mm. come and bring it. Oh, and yeah. Most of them were older yeah. alcoholic guys. And I was a young woman. So I'd be like, whoa, pretty woman, pretty woman. <laughs> but also she grew up in the street. And I don't know if you've ever been out there and had like the hot pretzels. The hot pretzels oh, yeah. on oh, yeah. the streets. Oh, man. And so, and I still smoke camels, but it was a great, that was a great job. But the answer is, I guess when push came to shove and the rent ran out, we were in danger. God forbid my husband. I was the one that got a temporary job. So then we moved oh, to San Francisco. Yeah. Now you're bringing it back. You're bringing it back. So then we lived with Katrina nice. at Edgar Place. None of them had a straight job. But again, so then I worked in a bookstore in San Francisco. And I was like, pregnant? If you didn't know it, when you're four months pregnant, you can go on welfare. <laughs> so up until oh, the point yeah. wow. I worked in that in that bookstore. So the kids are a freaking meal ticket. The whole childbearing time. And see it and then um and, and it went farther because when I finally did leave my husband after twenty years and went out on my own with my handicapped daughter, so then I had an income briefly. That's when I had the gallery downtown. Remember I said I'm living downtown. Oh so yeah. So I had SSI, her SSI. And also um IHS says it's home. Because you're living with somebody and helping them. I, oh, yeah. I forget gotcha. that you live there and you help them and you get paid for it. Because they would have to be in an institution otherwise. And I right, make right. a tiny bit of child support. So, you know, but then when she moved out for me, I went to zero. And that's when God took over. Because at one point she did mm. have to move away from me to a facility. And then my income went to zero. And I'm an artist. And I like it. I have a painting of Eliza on the ice from the image from Uncle Tom's cabin. Now, if you read that book oh, yeah. again, it turns out Eliza tells that story a lot. First, it really happens. She jumps on the ice with her child and she makes it to the other side. But then she's telling about it. And they ask her, Eliza, how did you have the courage? How did you know? And she said, I did not know what to do, but I just could jump to the next iceberg and pray that she would get across mm. this river. If you don't know the story, she's escaping from the slave hunter with her baby in yeah. this icy river. 
to freedom. Mm. And um, I didn't, that's my image. I don't know where the next iceberg, I'm not sure I'll be able to land on the next iceberg or I'll get drowned in the river. It's an image I do over Mm. and over. I I wish I could turn the camera. I have 69 visual journals called day books. And in the front, it's everything I did in my day. A lot. And this is raising children, all kind of stuff that you didn't like take a picture of, but it's all there daily life. But in the back, each one is back to front, all the crazy ideas. I did comics, paintings, everything. And I had something in mind when I mentioned it, but I lost it on this topic, but that's okay. It's all good. It's all good. (laughs) Relevant. I love it. I love it. That's amazing. So do you have any more uh, questions from, uh, from people on Reddit? Um, I do have one more. Uh, yeah. Um, so during that time uh, in the uh, late 60s, early 70s, that underground art styles uh, were becoming kind of popular in mainstream publications. Were you ever approached to do some commercial work like flyers, playbills, advertising, mm. build magazine? No, or I never had a commercial. No, I always make flyers. I'm, I'm the queen of the underground flyer. I, there's an, I'm in some ephemera <laughs> collection because every time I ever did an art show, I'd make a flyer and a poster. But my stuff never caught on commercially. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I did all my things like that. And I never, when it went a little bit mainstream with, I don't know, Santa Graphics and all that, I never was in it then. And also, okay. anyway, I just wasn't in it in that era. I yeah. Had no contact yeah. With, with commercial success. No, well, that's all good. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't that you know as, so, as you're finding out. That's why we I, call I, it I, underground. I, underground. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, it's yeah. The freedom but you know, it's the freedom. Yeah. Oh no, you go ahead. I'm sorry. It's the freedom to be something and discover something and take the take it farther. Yeah. I was just, I was just going to say like, I, from, you know, getting to talk to all these different people who, who we've gotten to speak with, um, you know, we found, at least I feel like we found that commercial success doesn't always mean quality, right. And, mm-hmm. so, and vice versa. So if, if you don't have commercial success, it doesn't mean that the work is not, you know, great or important or anything like that. We've, we've been finding commercial success is about a market. artists and storytellers. I'm- Exactly. It's about yeah. meeting consumers in a market. And that's yep. what's wrong with our entire um, entertainment, media, artistic world. Because it, what sells the most, the lowest common denominator, which is a stupid thing. What's a stupid thing? A stupid thing. Oh, my God. that market. Cause, and that was a whole myth that the Friends of Lulu is this awesome group. I learned about it at Comic-Con. They have panels. It's not there now, but it's got really smart women and lawyers in Berkeley that research this whole problem of, like, keeping the women out of comics. And they also oh. worked with the comic owners into saying, like, don't you want a 50% more audience? And to bust the myth that mm. women don't read comics, girls don't like comics, they were just, that was our help to bring mm. attention to this phenomenon. Yeah. Well, I mean, your your work is just is just beautiful. You know, looking at your your website, I know uh, Ben's going to put all the links to, to everything yeah. underneath the, the video. But I, I just hope that... Uh, you know, this video helps to open up people's eyes to see some of your work and just, you know, the beautiful colors that you, you put together and, and just, uh, it's just such a unique and different, uh, look than really any of the other stuff that we've had a chance to talk to some other artists. It's and it's just it's beautiful. It's driven by, uh, I want to give a little spiel. Like, yeah, my go for I really yeah. just wrote it down today. This is new today. Yeah. Because I'm inspired by your attention. Oh. 
Well, almost every culture has had a spiritual element to it, right? Except maybe now, and we're worshiping consumerism. However, here's my thing in a couple of words. Talk to the sky. So my idea is there is vibrations, first of all. Vibrations are real. And second of all, there is a force out there. There is something that talking to the sky is going to work. How come Jesus saved so many people, right? How come Judaism is filled with miracle stories? Hindu, they're all filled with miracle stories. Tibet, oh my God, you got to believe this stuff. You're going to run up there and, and be able to fly and walk fast and everything. <laughs> you talk to the sky in your own language. You just talk to the sky. You can name it whatever you want. It's like an overarching force and just try talking to it and asking it and speaking to it. And it's called like, you could call it praying, but it, that's where I think it gets too routine. And organized religions maybe take on all the trappings of all the cultural. It's about impressing everybody with your really a religiosity rather than really trying mm. to just talk to the sky and go with a. And my last, my point to make about all this is I want to ask you 200 years ago when the king, that Louis I showed you, the king of the, the divine right king and the pharaoh yeah. and the emperor, how did they make a light? A candle, right? If they had a big party, they're rich, so they had a thousand candles in the ballroom, right? Chandeliers full mm -hmm. of candles. Now, my question is, where was the electricity at that time? Where was it? It was there the whole time, correct? But we didn't know. Nobody Darn. knew. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Once they discovered it, we're powering the whole world with it. And now the poorest bird, click a light, it's light. All this stuff, it's all, we, <laughs> we use it so much. Electricity. But where was it? Two, three hundred years ago, it, it was there, but nobody acknowledged this force could light everything. And to me, that's what we need to discover. Some of these psychic forces of vibes of interpersonal. They're really real. How we can like that. They should teach them. Yeah. And also, I saw a thing Very about a UFO, and they go, it couldn't be this, it couldn't be that, it could only be, and these are the scientists, right, saying this is the real one, right, isn't it? And um, anyway, they said it must be sails, solar sails. It's like in the shape of, like, sails. It's in my comic, Reef Queen, we've got those comics. And they see fly with solar stellar sails. Because why wouldn't it be? I think the age of the machine is doomed. I don't see the future as, like, large machines, bigger machines. We're going to go beyond the machines. <laughs> so I will stop, but those are some of the ideas I like to think about. And I like to tell stories yeah. about them. I love it. I love it. You got a very Thanks unique take on, on the world. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it was an absolute pleasure getting to know you and, and to see your art and learn uh, more about you. I just thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you all so thank much. You. And I will email you some of those images of the building in the square. Yes, please really do. Appreciate, appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Lily. Well, that was uh, just another absolutely amazing episode to meet such a, a beautiful artist. I, I hope that this, uh, you know, directs you to go and, and seek her out and see her art. And uh, we'll see you on the next one.